for those who may have run away and denied him in the awful darkness of Great and Holy Friday, and for those who may have doubted him and the good news about him in the early, early morning light of Holy Pascha, he himself today comes to each of us and he says, Peace be to all. And in a symphony of all the languages and all the tongues of this world, we cry back with one voice, Christ is risen. Good morning. And a happy Mother's Day. I included it in my homily, too. A happy Mother's Day to those of you women ordained to that high and holy office, to mothers and mothers-to-be, to grand and great ones, to godmothers, to sponsors, to holy monastic mothers, to atrium teachers, and even to big sisters who may babysit. Happy Mother's Day to you all. Many of us have given homilies in the past about how the fathers of the church were hunkered down behind closed doors in fear on the very night of the resurrection while their mothers and their sisters got up and went out to do something. Even if it was only to take spices and anoint Jesus at the tomb. And then, when the women were surprised at the grave by an angel sitting on the stone, they tried, as women and mothers often do, to get their men to pay attention long enough so that they could tell them something that was so wonderful that they had to hear it. But the women couldn't get through to them, as is often the case. And then... When Jesus had presented himself as evidence, eight days later, the men were still pretty much in the same place. The infant church, both men and women, was in a state of shock, barely sorting through the death of Jesus when he up and rose from the dead. He had tried to prepare everyone for it, but to participate in those events, events of Holy Week of that first Holy Week had left their minds dazed and they were disoriented. And so here we are today. Today is the eighth day of Pascha. This is the day of all days that corresponds most clearly to the breaking through of the eschaton, the never-ending day of the kingdom of God. It is as such an eternal moment where we with the disciples are invited, or rather, we are commanded by our risen Lord to have peace. He asks us to see and to touch the incontrovertible physical evidence of his resurrection. Reach here, he says. Touch my side where the spear was thrust. Reach here and touch in my hands and feet the wounds where the cruel nails were pounded through the flesh. Touch and believe. We are invited by the living breath of the Savior to receive the joy of the Holy Spirit. And given all of this, Jesus sends forth as the, us forth as the, as the Father sent him. He means for us to be convinced 
this day, not just to pass it by, but to be convinced and to have the power of our conviction made full of, full of joy. Yet how does he find me? He finds me sometimes in closed spaces of dark doubt and fear, worn out and hunkered down. We have many of us been paralyzed by fear from time to time. But the Lord will not leave us there in that fearful place. Even if we have shut him out, he comes to us through the closed doors. He comes to us. He will meet us where we are. We close him out sometimes, but he never closes us out. He will come to you and get you. Gentle Savior that he is, he does not mock us or put us down, but he offers us peace. He reveals us to us himself so that we might take courage ourselves. He does not need to convince us with abstract academic proofs. He convinces us by his touch. He convinces us by the breath of his Holy Spirit. For him, as we see with Thomas, our crippling doubts are an opportunity to show himself. He lifts up the doubts that we have, like the dirt that he healed the blind man with. He lifts up our doubts and he uses them as a vehicle for, res for resurrection and for salvation. Such a wonderful paradox this is, and so much like the Lord it is, he who took death and turned it into life. So much it is like the Lord to do this. The honest, curious doubt of the inquirer, the testing, questioning doubt of the catechumen, all of these are opportunities. All of our hesitations in faith are taken by opportunity as, op as opportunity by the Lord to prove himself. And that's something to remember when you are struggling with those doubts. Your doubts are opportunities for saving faith if you stay honest and faithful in your doubt, expecting an answer from him. At Great Vespers, um, there is a hymn, Oh, the delicacy of the beautiful unbelief of Thomas. The delicacy of the beautiful unbelief of Thomas. As coming with the heart of an unbeliever to knowledge, he called out in fear, My Lord and my God, glory to thee. And further, what miraculous wonder that lack of faith becomes a conviction of faith. faith. What miraculous wonder John did lean against the word's bosom, yet Thomas the doubter was made worthy to probe his side. And from his doubt, St. Thomas moved on to give the most worthy of confessions to his Lord. He said to Christ, Thou art my Lord and my God. And most of the hymns of the day say that he shouted it out. He didn't whisper it. He didn't just simply agree to it. He was taken over by it and shouted it out, My Lord and my God. He went from that room of doubt 
He went from that room with boldness to the far, far corners of the world, even to India, to proclaim Jesus resurrected from the dead, both Lord and God. No more did he hesitate. He went forth in power. The doubter became a doer. You doubters become doers. Let us press on together through the challenges of the doubts that come to us in this world to meet our risen Lord and to proclaim the resurrection in all of our world. May we go forth from the corners where we have hunkered down. May we go forth in power. Your doubt is an opportunity to prove your faith. Hesitate no more, for Christ, Christ is risen, and we have met him, and we will touch him in this place. Let us go forth to the glory of our risen Lord. Amen.